Testing, testing, testing one, two, three, testing one, two, three. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special live web streaming edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. I'm your host, Rico, and this is podcast number 163, I think. It is uh, March the 2nd, 2008. Yes, it's still 2008. Every week I have to think about that. I want to welcome everyone to this week's edition of the show, uh, especially those viewing in the um, chat room and or via Ustream, which we are streaming right now live. It's about 1 o'clock in the afternoon uh, this Sunday in Michigan. Yes, there's still snow on the ground here, and it is still cold outside, so... Uh, but what's that expression, uh, March comes in like a lion and out like a lamb, or is it the other way around? I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, we've got a good show for you. It's going to be a little different, a little more chaotic, and maybe not as smooth as normal, because I'm doing this live, and I'm planning on releasing most of it. I won't edit much of it out. Uh, just to give you an idea of what we're going to be talking about this week, first, I'm uh, going to bring you up to date a little bit on some sci-fi news and information like normal. Uh, the main topic, though, is going to be the two-part Voyager episode, Year of Hell. I keep wanting to call it Year in Hell or Year About Hell or I don't know what, but it's called, it's called I think, Year of Hell, parts one and two from season four of Voyager. So that'll be coming up uh, pretty soon in the show. We've uh, got some listener calls, uh, listener audios, I should say, uh, not calls really, but audios from uh, some of the usual gang that have sent those in for this week. So, And we're going to have a couple of special little contests and giveaways since this is a live show. So uh, just sit back, relax, and I'm going to play a, a little bit of opening music, a little Voyager music to get us in the mood for uh, this special live edition and look at A Year of Hell. Yes, that is what it is still. <laughs> All right, everyone, we'll be back in a minute after the opening theme to Voyager.
Okay, folks, here we go with another edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. Uh, I'd like to always uh, thank everyone uh, for tuning in each week, uh, you know, keeping my uh, web host happy and bandwidth and for the month used. <laughs> it's uh, been going pretty good. Uh, each month we uh, add a few more uh, listeners to the show, and I always want to thank the people that have uh, decided to tune into this uh, Star Trek and Sci-Fi podcast extravaganza uh, I'm hoping that the uh, streaming is working pretty well. Uh, we've got, uh, I don't know, what are we up to? 13 in the chat room and probably some others just viewing the show. You don't have to log in, but Ustream seems to work pretty good for this. I'm pretty happy with it. So uh, so let's move on with uh, some of the regular topics. Um, I have, like, when I normally do this show, I usually have a couple of computers going with, like, a couple of web pages open with some information, and I'm just going to go over a few things. You know, the trekmovie.com uh, website is great information, has great updates about the, the movie, which is now coming out uh, in May 2009, and I check it pretty much each day. Uh, not really that much uh, here about the new movie. A few little minor cast uh, members have been added, uh, but nothing uh, nothing really big about the movie going on. They're still continuing to film. They'll be filming in through uh, April. Uh, they've got uh, quite a bit still left to do, and it's, uh, you know... Uh, like I've talked about before on the show, I think this move to May of 2009 is a good thing, and it is uh, going to do a lot better, I think, in that month than in a December month. So looking forward to that. Uh, there is a little bit of information here about uh, uh, the uh, cast members talking, Bruce Greenwood and the guys playing Sulu and Chekhov giving some interviews. But, of course, these interviews, it's basically like, uh, hello, uh, hi, yeah, I'm in the Star Trek movie, but I can't talk about it, and do you have any other questions for me, though? You know, there's, <laughs> there isn't really a lot of uh, stuff they can say right now, but, and that's one of the things I think I said before about this that I'm concerned about is, is how much, uh, you know, we're more than a year away still, how much we'll learn about the movie, 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 yeah, <laughs> movie before it comes out, so, um, so anyway, we will, uh, keep an eye on that, uh, what I thought, though, that I would talk about this week is a little bit of an update on sci-fi and TV, things that I'm watching and enjoying. Uh, I want to talk about three things. Uh, one, Stargate Atlantis. Still a great show. If you're a Stargate fan, you know, you should be watching this. It is, To me, it's just as good as Stargate SG-1 uh, was, uh, maybe even a little bit more fun in a way. This is uh, a little bit, you know, sometimes it gets real serious, but sometimes it's just a little more lighthearted and uh, but uh, the final episode of this season is going to be showing next Friday, at least in the United States. That will be on, what is that, March the 7th. We're up to uh, the last episode of Season 4 we are in right now. But they are going to be beginning Season 5, which will start up, I guess, probably either in the summer or in the fall. I'm not sure when that season is going to start. But this is a, a great show. I still enjoy it every week. They've had some really interesting episodes. The last uh, few episodes, they've really been building to sort of a final climax for this season, and I'm looking forward to that uh, wrap-up this Friday night. The other show, another one I wanted to talk about a little bit briefly, is the Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles. That uh, final episode is also next week, in a couple of days at least, again in the United States, on Fox uh, Monday night, a two-hour finale. You know, it, it, the show is just to me, it's 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 okay. They've had a you know kind of a little bit of a rock, rough, rocky start with the writer strike and not being able to get as many episodes as they wanted to do. 
in uh, in the can before the strike, so it's kind of cut short their season. I know it's been doing okay in the ratings. I, I don't think there's a word on whether it'll be back yet, but I'm enjoying it. Still a interesting show. I still think they have a limited uh, ability to do a lot with this show. I think they need to explore some things they haven't really got into yet about uh, the whole, uh, you know, robots and androids and what it means to be kind of human and bring out those kind of qualities, especially in the uh, Summer Glau's character, the, the kind of more human-like uh, robot from the future. So anyway, but that finale is this Monday. If you've been uh, watching that show, keep an eye out for that. And there was one other, oh, Torchwood I wanted to talk about a little bit. I've seen the first few episodes of the second season, and it's uh, it's really good. The show, I think they've really kind of picked it up, uh, added a lot of uh, interesting things this season. It's got just the same kind of, uh, you know, style that it had in the first season, but I think the, the episodes are a little tighter. The actors seem a little bit more comfortable now and know what's going on, so it, that's still a great show. And uh, if you like the new Doctor Who, definitely check out Torchwood. And uh, I think that's about all I wanted to cover on sci-fi, on TV. Movies are a little bit limited right now, and there's not a lot out, but that's going to be changing soon. Of course, there was a, a new Iron Man trailer released just a few days ago. Uh, that movie looks fantastic, I think. I never was a really big uh, fan of Iron Man. I haven't read the comics that much, but it uh, it looks great. Robert Downey Jr., I think, is going to do a great job and excellent in the role. It kind of is, fits him like a glove basically. Uh, the one thing I was curious about, maybe somebody could email me uh, at treksf at gmail.com. In the movie trailers you're seeing, it looks like he's sort of hiding his secret identity a little bit. But in the comics, and well, definitely currently, but I thought for most of Iron Man's history, the world has known pretty much that Tony Stark and Iron Man are, are one and the same. You know, he's this uh, billionaire I don't think he had hid his secret identity for very long, unlike Batman, who who never really uh, let that out and so forth. So uh, maybe somebody can shoot me an email, or maybe somebody in the chat room knows. I know we got some comic fans going there. Uh, I don't see anyone posting anything about that, but um, I'll check back anyway and see if anyone does have an answer for uh, that question about Tony Stark's secret identity. I I just don't think he was uh, that much of a secret. And, of course, the Marvel Civil War changed a lot of that. Now all these superheroes are pretty much known throughout uh, the world. So with that uh, superhero human or superhero registration act. Yeah, that's what it was. So uh, that's that. Uh, what else do we want to cover? I think that was about all I wanted to cover on the, the sci-fi TV movie front a little bit. Uh, Indiana Jones, of course, in May. A lot of great... Uh, this is going to be a really big blockbuster summer again for movies coming up. Uh, we've got Iron Man, the Hulk movie, the second one, which uh, should be interesting with uh, Norton in the title role for uh, Banner. Uh, a lot of different things going on with that. I think that should be interesting to watch. So I want to go into a clip, though. I've got a couple of clips here I wanted to play. This... Uh, the first one that I'm going to play is a little interlude with Robert Picardo uh, and a Borg song uh, for uh, for all of you. A little bit humorous here, so listen to this, and I'll be right back. Borg, metallic and blue, are aboard. They're attacking you. She will fill you with dread once you see her free floating head. <laughs> <laughs> 
the Borg Queen Soon will be claiming you as her drone The Borg Queen Chromium steel where you once had bone And you Were once so unique Till you grew To a cyber freak And now those Who once found you so cute See a hose In your birthday suit The Borg Queen Quietly purring inside your head The Borg Queen She'll instant message you till you're dead Okay, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, that was sent in by Nathaniel, a little uh, Robert Picardo, who played, of course, the uh, EMH Doctor on Voyager, which we're going to be doing that two-part Voyager episode here in a few minutes. Uh, that's a little song that he did. I, he's a pretty good singer. I think he's done a lot of stage and singing over the years, and uh, that's a lot of fun. He, I think at uh, conventions that I've seen, and I know I've heard from other people that have seen him at conventions, he usually throws some kind of a song. There's a few of them he likes to do. There's one, I think, uh, about the whole crew of Voyager that he likes to uh, perform. It, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I think this song that Nate uh, sent me is available on a CD somewhere. I will check that out and try to find out information and put it up in the podcast notes for everyone this week. Hey, everyone in the chat room, get ready. We're going to do our first contest before we get into the Voyager episode for the week. So get ready now. These things are always a little tricky to do, these live contests, uh, because everyone, of course, is sitting there at their computer watching the show, and they can, of course, look things up and Google it. But obviously, if somebody knows the answer, uh, you know, before or they know the answer without looking it up, they will get the answer uh, much quicker. This contest is going to be for a Trexan Sci-Fi t-shirt. Uh, I have uh, a couple of these left. I think I've got a medium, a large, and an extra large left. So you will have your choice of size uh, of those three sizes. Those are the only ones. I've only got three of them left right now That uh, from the last T-shirt run. And they're the white ones with the logo, the podcast logo on the back, and so forth. So anyway, the uh, the contest. I have a couple of them I'm going to do. I think I'll do one later in the show. But this first one... I think this one's uh, pretty fun, so I'm going to make sure I, I have a good view of the chat room. Okay, here we go with uh, the contest for the shirt. The question is, I want to hear, or not hear, you need to, <laughs> excuse me, I want you to write down in the chat, whoever writes down first will win, and obviously send me your information and all that. We'll cover that later, but the contest is... Uh, I need to have, uh, out of the main, out of all the Star Trek TV series, Star Trek TV series, I want you to, you have to give me the middle, the middle names of three of this main Starship captains out of any of the main Star Trek series. Hopefully that's clear enough. I want three middle names. I am waiting. Tick tock, tick tock. You know, the main captains for the Star Trek series give me, I need three middle names, one for three different captains. Uh, Tricky Geek, you're wrong. There was no, uh, uh, you're, you've got two of them right, Tricky Geek, but one of them's not. 
Well, we'll see how hard this is. There's obviously that are two that are very easy, probably for most people, and it's the third one that will be the tricky one. Feel free to Google away. This is the part where I will be shortening and editing the podcast a little bit. There you go. Just X, you got it. The three were Tiberius for, of course, James Tiberius Kirk. And Lafayette is the hard one. That was for Cisco. Ben Cisco's middle name is Lafayette. And Luke, of course, for Jean-Luc Picard. So you win the T-shirt. Just send me. I, I'm not sure if you ordered one before. I thought maybe you did. But anyway, just send me an email. We'll work out the details on that. So congratulations. Uh, I didn't know if that question would be that hard. I thought somebody would know Deep Space Nine that Cisco's middle name was Lafayette. Uh, but I wasn't sure. The other couple were pretty easy. And uh, actually, uh, Janeway and Archer, neither of them had middle names, at least that I could find anywhere. Uh, they uh, they were never mentioned on the shows, and they were ne- they're never they possibly are out there somewhere in the sort of expanded Trek universe in, in novels or comics somewhere. But uh, mainly, I have not been able to find that. And I was going by basically what you saw on the air. So anyway, congratulations to Just X for the first contest. Okay, what we're going to do now is get into the two-part Voyager episode because there's a lot to cover there, and that'll take a little while. To start that off, uh, well, let me see. Am I going to play that now or later? Yeah, let's play it right now. I'm going to play the uh, the Moyers clip. They sent in sort of a unique little take on what we're going to be covering here for Voyager. Uh, well, I'm not going to talk too much about it, but it's a great job, another fun clip from them. So listen to this clip from... Uh, Nathan and Rick Moyer, and I'll be right back with our look at the two-part Year of Hell Voyager episodes. Captain's Log, Stardate 0302.8. Gabular and I are on a track, no pun intended, to find uh, Rico. What, Gabular? Why do you have to be the captain? Why can't I be the captain? You can be the Captain, tomorrow! Do you know what I have to tell you? What? Shut up, Wesley. Ha 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 ha! Humor. <laughs> Prepare for temporal incursion, Debular. What is a temporal incursion? You remember, don't you? The Crenum Empyrean. From Voyager episode Year of Hell, part 1 and 2. It is the episode Rico is covering on his live podcast this week. Oh, that Earth entertainment you call Star Trek? Yes, Star Trek! So we can really make our ship do a temporal incursion? Yes, Kepular. Ours will actually take us to any point in history. Then set the chronometers to 1960. Why 1960? That is the host of Treks and Sci-Fi's origination year. TreksinSciFi.com? Podcast and website for geeky goodness? That's right, geeky goodness. Okay, so are we still looking for Rico? Yes, we are. That is our mission, Bob. Yes, that is our mission, Bob. Okay, start the temporal incursion. Push the button, Kebular. Wait, no! Our Star Trek DVDs are disappearing. Where did our cell phone go, Bob? I don't know. 
and all my Treks and Sci-Fi podcasts are being deleted from my iPod. No! You idiot, Gabular. We've erased Rico. Oh, crap. Now what do we do? I don't know. What did Jane away do? She created multi-phasic temporal shielding. Say what? Oh, this is really going to be the year of hell. I have a bad feeling about this. Dragons and sci-fi. What's your idea anyway? Was it my idea? Go suck a lemon. Your mom. <laughs> that was good. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, I, I've been erased from history. That's, uh, uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. So, uh, well, well, we'll try to muddle through the rest of the show, but that's uh, that's great. You guys do a great job with that. I still got to learn how you do those voices. I know I, you showed it on the video that you sent in, but I'm not sure I have the uh, software. I think you're using Adobe or something, Adobe Effects, to do that. But that's great stuff, guys. I love those. And uh, send those in anytime, and they will definitely be on the show. All right, let's get into uh, Year of Hell. This uh, two-part Voyager episode is is probably a, a pretty big favorite of those who who enjoy Voyager, who enjoy Star Trek. Lots of interesting things happen in this episode. Lots to cover, and it's it's probably you know from the fourth season. Uh, you know they did a couple of two-parters, I believe, in the season four, and this one it just has a, a lot of cool stuff in it. Mostly a plot-driven kind of action show. Some character stuff as well, which we'll talk about as it goes. But a little bit more straightforward, I think, than some of the Voyager episodes as far as that. Not not a real focused character show. But again, like I said, there are some elements in there that I'll try to bring out as we go through it. Now, the basic, uh, the basic idea here is there's these uh, kind of bad guys. I guess you could say they were bad guys. There's this uh, race out there called the Krenum. And they are basically trying to change history. They have a ship that allows them to fire these little temporal blasts at planets and sh- other ships and things out there in their part of space in order for them to sort of rewrite history, which sends out these these waves, these temporal waves, which then transverse the whole area of space that they're in. You know, they never really explain how far those waves go. But I guess they have a limit, and they only kind of go to their area. But the the main guy, uh, what's his name? I'll have to look it up again. Arcarex or Ar- Ar- Anorex, Anorex or something like that. He's uh, he's played by Kurtwood Smith. He's the same guy who played the president of uh, the Federation uh, in uh, Star Trek VI. He was on that '70s show as the dad. Good character actor. He's the bad guy here. He is trying to uh, rewrite history, trying to bring his empire and the Krenum uh, people back to uh, you know full uh, rule over their area of space. But there's a little bit of a, a personal uh, mission that he has that we'll talk about as we go into these episodes. I've got about, uh, what did I collect, 13 different little clips. I tried to limit it. You know, when you do a two-part one, when I do this and cover it on the podcast, it's, it's kind of hard to to cover it all as well uh, you know when i do a single episode we've got double the episodes here to cover so but i'll try to move through it fairly quickly and try to throw in a few things um one thing that happens in this episode is you get to see the ship go through the voyager uh, uh the voyager starship go through lots of uh damage and the, the outside of the ship the inside of the ship all around the ship 
they get pretty pummeled in this uh, two-part uh, series of episodes, and that's a lot of fun to kind of see, and you get to see the characters really having to deal with some bad situations. So that brings out lots of good stuff. The first clip, let's get into the first clip. This one is early in uh, episode one of Year of Hell. This is when the first little temporal wave that goes out and the it hits Voyager and starts the whole process and everything that's going to happen in the next, uh, well, the rest of the episode. So listen to this. Captain, there's a spatial distortion heading toward us. Whatever it is, it's huge. Five light years across and it's expanding. Tracking its origin. A vessel near the Zal homeworld. What? It appears to be a massive buildup of temporal energy. Some kind of space-time shockwave. Tom? It's destabilizing our warp field. I've lost engines. Shields to full. Secure primary systems. All hands brace for impact. at 17%. The Krenum are firing again. We're being hailed. About time. On screen. We've done nothing to provoke these attacks. Your presence in our space is provocation enough. We've been trying to communicate with your vessels, but the only answer I get is weapons fire. State your identity. Captain Janeway of the Federation Starship Board. And your reason for violating our borders. We're simply trying to get home. If you'd kindly allow us to pass through. No. You will submit to the Krenum Imperium. Okay, so they, they run into this vessel, this Krenum vessel. They hit with, they're hit with this shockwave from uh, its Anorex's ship. I guess that's how you call it. Speak his name or say his name. Speak his name? <laughs> say his name. He, there, and there's this other Krenum vessel that Voyager runs into. That's the one that Janeway is talking to there. Uh, they, their ship, though, isn't all that powerful. But after this temporal wave hits them, it becomes, it changes the, that vessel. It changes their ship. It doesn't seem to really do much to Voyager at that point, but it does uh, put them in a different, slightly different state. Uh, it's hard to explain, but it does, uh, you know, and that continues until they find a defense against this uh, temporal wave that comes uh, later in the episode. But anyway, the the idea here is, again, he's trying to rewrite history. And any time, you know, they do deal with this history and time thing going uh, in these episodes, it's, it's a little tricky and a little difficult. This one, though, I think they do a pretty good job with it. The ship that's causing all these effects is in, a, in sort of this temporal bubble. In other words, the effects that it puts out when it fires its weapon doesn't affect that ship itself, which is, of course, you know, that's always the problem with time and time paradoxes and time travel. You know, when you go back in history or you change something, doesn't that affect you at that point? And then if it affects you, well, then why did you go back or would would you still go back and do what you did and all that? That's sort of wiped away and, and controlled in this episode because this uh, ship of the Krenum, this powerful temporal ship that can shoot this beam out uh, of temporal energy, it has the ability to not be affected by that at all. It, it sort of exists outside of normal time and space, which is an interesting idea. And again, at least they have an explanation for why the minute it does something, it's not affected. Because they're trying to kind of change things completely, like 100%. They keep checking that. 
and each time it's not quite good enough. So they keep doing it over and over again. And Voyager is trying to make their way through their space, so that's what's happening there. The Janeway has a lot to do in these two episodes, and I think uh, Kate Mulgrew does a really good job of showing how um, how she deals with the situation and, and how dire things become. We'll talk about that as we go. But I think that's one of the best parts and best things about this two-part set of episodes is the fact that you get to see the crew dealing with a very difficult situation, Voyagers being constantly damaged, and it's really taking a beating. People are injured, dying around them, and they have to deal with all of that. And that that is uh, a big part of the two parts that you see in this. Uh, I think, actually, the to me, the first uh, part of this uh, two-parter is a little more interesting than, than most of the second part, uh, but we'll talk about that later on. Next clip. Next one is a, a scene between Chakotay and Janeway. Things are, are starting to look a little grim on Voyager, and Chakotay has a possible solution, so uh, listen to this clip. Here comes the part I'm not going to like. We should consider leaving the ship behind, breaking the crew into smaller groups, escape pods, shuttles, each one with its own course. If all goes well, we'll rendezvous on the other side of Krenum's space. Then what? We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But at least we'd be increasing our chances of survival. Abandoned ship? The answer's no. I'm not breaking up the family, Chakotay. We're stronger as a team. One crew. One ship. The moment we split apart, we lose the ability to pool our talents. We become vulnerable. We'll get picked off one by one. Now I say we make our stand together. To be honest, I wasn't too fond of the idea myself. As long as Voyager's in one piece, we stay. I think uh, that's a good clip. You know, it really shows what Janeway's made out of. It shows that the the crew on Voyager that is more of a family to her than just crew that she directs and orders around. And that's a little bit different than a lot of the other Trek shows. You know, the Voyager being lost so far away from home has sort of bonded them together more so maybe than than other crews have been and and Janeway being you know I have to say you know part of it I think is a little bit because she's a female captain and I hope that doesn't give people out there the wrong idea but she's sort of a, a, a you know a kind of a mother figure to them in a way I mean she she treats them like they're her family not as children I mean but uh, just that they're very important to her she gets a little choked up in several scenes in this episode and I think uh, you know if there was like you know Picard or Kirk or something in that situation, I don't think it would be quite the same. And I think she does a good job of being still in charge and being the captain, but also being, you know, a female and, and how she feels. She lets her emotions out a little bit, and I think that's good. And it, and it shows that uh, how much all these people mean to her. Uh, let's see what do we got next clip. The next scene here is this is a good one. You know, uh, Tom Paris uh, once in a while or. He started to show up and assist the doctor, and he's got some medical background and training. And this scene here is in uh, sort of a makeshift sick bay. Bellana Torres has been injured, and Paris and Bellana are sort of becoming a little bit uh, involved at this point in Voyager. They like each other, things like that. So uh, Tom's trying to help her out, but the doctor has some other patients they have to deal with, and he tries to, um, well, he, he instructs uh, Paris on the way you deal with uh, a triage situation. So listen to this clip. In case you hadn't noticed, Balana is not the only patient here. She's in pain. But no longer in danger of dying. 
That is the first rule of medical triage. Make sure the patient will live, then move on to the next one. Emotional detachment is essential. Otherwise, you risk impairing your judgment. I understand. You could be seeing more of your friends in here soon. If you can't handle it, I'll find another assistant. You can leave. Physician, heal thyself. What's that supposed to mean? It seems to me that you're the one who's getting emotional around here. Several weeks ago, just before the conduits on deck five breached, I saw Ensign Strickler and crewman Emanuel at the end of a corridor. They were trying to reach the Jeffreys tube. I kept the hatch open, waited for them as long as I could, but time ran out. I had no choice but to seal the hatch. must have been very hard for you. My point is, it could have been worse. Had I lost my objectivity, I might have kept the hatch open and everyone would have perished. This man has damaged lung tissue. Treat him within a provolene. Yeah, that, uh, that's another good scene there. Picardo and uh, Robert Duncan McNeil of Paris and uh, the doctor. Uh, it's uh, important to see and... and they, one thing I was surprised they didn't quite bring out that I, you know, was how they uh, kept the doctor going all this time and his program intact and everything fine with that. They don't really mention that too much. And I started to wonder if maybe because he was sort of becoming a little bit more emotional in this episode to a degree that maybe that was because of the damage to Voyager, perhaps. I don't know, but uh, good scene there and uh, interesting uh, take on his character, I thought. Uh, Probably one of the more interesting and well-rounded characters turns out to be the, you know, the holographic doctor on Voyager. So I always found that kind of uh, interesting. You know, somebody like Chakotay, I don't think they, they explored his character quite even as much as the doctor. But yeah, they, oh, they, they did pretty good. Voyager was pretty good at exploring all the characters to a degree. Although maybe Harry Kim, he never really got a lot. He had that one episode where he sort of was back on Earth with his old girlfriend and all that. But but he didn't get very many meaty episodes to uh, work on, which I thought was a little unfortunate because I think he's a good actor. But just uh, let's stay on target here. Stay on target. Get back to this episode. The uh, the thing that probably turns the tide in this is there is one of these uh, temporal torpedoes. I think that's the way they call the the Krenum call them. These little uh, things they shoot out to uh, you know send out these temporal shock waves. One of them becomes sort of lodged in Voyager, but is not uh, blown up yet. And Seven of Nine decides to scan it, try to figure out its little temporal frequency to create a, uh, a defense against it uh, to alter Voyager's shields so that they're not affected by these blasts from these Krenim ships and these uh, also these other waves that travel when the, the Krenim vessel, the big time ship there, when it blasts a planet or something, sends out a wave, it would also protect them against that. So here's the uh, clip about temporal uh, shielding, I think. They're matching course. Pull them off as long as you can. Bridge to seven of nine. Where are those shields? Stand by. They're charging weapons. Seven, we could use a little of that Borg efficiency right about now. I can't shake them off. They're targeting the bridge. Temporal shielding is online. They're firing. Full port thrusters. Temporal shields are holding. No damage. 
Hail them. Channel open. Kernum Vessels, this is the captain of Voyager. You may have noticed we have a defense against your torpedoes now. I suggest you stand down. No response. Fair mistake. Bring the ship above. We're going through their space whether they like it or not. So again, even though Voyager is in kind of a little bit of bad shape at this point, Seven of Nine kind of saves the day, comes up with this temporal shielding against this Krenum weapon. And that allows them to continue to move and travel without being affected by any other uh, temporal uh, blasts from them. So interesting uh, stuff. Uh, Got to say a little bit about Kurtwood Smith and his uh, portrayal of this enemy. Uh, Anorex, is that his name again? Gosh darn it. I keep forgetting. Let me look on uh, good old uh, reliable uh, StarTrek.com. Anorex. You know, couldn't they come up with something better? Anorex? It sounds like, you know, anthrax or anorexic or something like that. I don't really like the alien um, names that they come up with sometimes in these episodes. But anyway, uh, but his character, Kurtwood Smith portrayal of him, he's ultimately trying to save his dead wife is what it turns out to be, who was on this small uh, colony world, and uh, it was destroyed. And each time when they try to rewrite history... He basically always checks that one place and to see if that place has been restored to what it was. And he finds out, of course, that it's not, even though they at one point are like 99% uh, or 95% um, fixing of everything. And there's hundreds of worlds restored and the technology is back and all this stuff. But that one little planet with his wife on it isn't fixed. And he keeps wanting to rewrite and restart things uh, over again because of that situation. And he becomes sort of like Captain Ahab and you know, in Moby Dick because he's sort of obsessed by this uh, whole thing, and they've been at it for like 200 years. So that ultimately is kind of his downfall a little bit. Uh, we've got a uh, next uh, clip here is about the, uh, uh, what is it called? What did I name it? Krenum Error. Boy, what was this? I just collected these a little while ago, and... I think it has to do with uh, an error in their calculations. You know, they always do these time calculations before they fire their weapon, or I should say, yeah, before they fire it and even after to find out its effect. So anyway, let's listen to this clip. Our calculations were perfect. I may have an explanation. There's an anomalous temporal reading 20 light years from here. It's coming from a vessel. What vessel? Component 049 Beta. A ship called Voyager. That ship was classified as an inert component. It shouldn't be generating a temporal field. But it is. And it was enough to throw off our calculations. Take me to them. Yeah, so that's, that's uh, you know, Mr. Anorex's problem. Voyager is through there. It's got the temporal shields on. It's messing up his little, uh, it's messing his day up, basically. <laughs> the uh, the next clip that I've got here is about the Krenum weapon itself. I believe this is when they first uh, when they encounter uh, Voyager and get up close and personal with uh, that uh, uh, little encounter. So uh, listen to this. Unfortunately, only one of us can go home again. Your sacrifice will restore the lives of countless millions. I'm sorry. 
I'm reading a massive energy buildup. Some kind of weapon. Shields. Temporal shields are weakening. Captain, that energy beam. It's pushing Voyager out of the space-time continuum. He's trying to erase us from history. I have scanned their propulsion system. Their vessel's mass prevents them from exceeding warp six. We can escape. Captain, I must remind you, our structural integrity is still impaired. If we go to warp now, the damage to Voyager will be extreme. What about Tom and Chakotay? We'll have to come back for them. All hands clear the outer sections and prepare for wide-scale breaches. Tuvok, activate the transverse bulkheads. Temporal shields are failing. Engage warp seven. They're not in pursuit. We're losing the outer hull. Transverse bulkheads are holding. Yeah, so Voyager escapes. Uh, they go to warp uh, to get away from the ship. Uh, Two, or sorry, Tuvok reports there that Chakotay and Tom Paris are beamed uh, or transported uh, off of Voyager and captured by the Krenim. Not really sure why they just targeted them. You'd think they want to pull the captain off. Um, but anyway, that's the situation. Also not quite sure how they were able to get them out of there with their shields in place. But, you know, that's one of those Star Trek little things you sort of ignore. Uh, maybe it's because they're temporal shields. I don't know. No explanation for that. But let's just... Uh, Wanted to make sure I keep switching windows over here since we're doing this show live, making sure Audacity is still recording, recording the show away, so I'll be able to edit it a little bit later and release it as a normal podcast. Everything looks good. Uh, we've got uh, one more clip from uh, this is from the first part, I believe, at the very end. Yeah, first part of Year of Hell. So listen to this clip, and then we'll segue into part two of the two-part Year of Hell episodes. The senior staff and I will remain on board as long as possible. We will try, somehow, to rescue Tom and Chakotay. The escape pods are equipped with subspace beacons. That's how we'll keep track of you. When we find each other again, and we will, we will find each other again. I expect all of you to be in one piece with some interesting stories to tell. Good luck. Yeah, so that you get the escape cut. Exa- <laughs> The escape pods uh, blasting away from Voyager. You know, how good are those escape pads anyway? I always would think that like a little lifeboat like that or an escape pod would be like a lifeboat on a on a ship these days. It's not like it could make its way to uh, to shore if they were like, you know, hundreds of miles out to sea or anything like that. But the escape pods here on Voyager seem to have the ability to have some sort of propulsion and uh, make their way uh, pretty well throughout space. You know, they don't just sort of lay there where they were left. Uh but not really, I guess, a huge issue. We'll just sort of let that one go. There's always going to be nitpicky stuff like that in an episode like this. Uh, so that's part one. Kind of sets everything up. Uh, Chakotay and Paris are over on the Krenum vessel. Voyager's in bad shape. Most of the crew have abandoned ship. 
and the the skeleton crew, which just happens to involve and our main cast of characters, or the ones still left on Voyager, are left to uh, keep the ship going and try to mount some sort of rescue and and stop this uh, temporal uh, Krenum vessel that's out there. Good stuff, and uh, you know, really interesting set of episodes. I think here. Uh, let's get into uh, part two of Year of Hell. We can work together to achieve both our goals. What do you propose? In order to make the calculations required to restore Voyager, I need to know about some of your experiences in this quadrant. What species you interacted with, how other components were affected by your presence. You can't find her, can you? I think Captain Janeway's been eluding you for the past two months. Otherwise, you would have destroyed Voyager by now. I'm offering you a way out of this situation. You accept my offer. Oh, when I do find Voyager, I will destroy it. And how many civilizations will you have to erase to send us merrily on our way? No thanks. We don't want that kind of blood on our hands. Tom, hold on. You said you could control the destiny of a single molecule. If you made a precise enough calculation, could you restore Voyager without harming anyone? It is possible. But it's extremely difficult. That's why I need your cooperation. <sighs> I'd rather spend a year in solitary confinement than listen to any of this. Tom, have a seat. Chakotay, we can't trust him. You're correct. Given the circumstances, there is no reason to trust me. But trust isn't necessary. We need each other. Yeah, there. it's a good scene. That's uh, early in part two. That's with, obviously, Paris, Chakotay, and uh, Anorex there talking about the situation he's trying to kind of cut a deal with them i wouldn't trust him either i'd be more probably more inclined to be the tom paris character than chakotay although chakotay is trying to really work with him until the point where he discovers this guy is nuts basically and he's never going to succeed in his what he's trying to do here and he's obviously probably going to take voyager with him so that uh kind of changes chakotay's tune a little bit as well um the there's a few other scenes i tried to skip through uh part two a little bit quicker when i collected the clips uh, there's a fire uh they they come across they're they're kind of hiding out in a nebula voyager is and there are these like micro meteorites that they run into and it, it, normally the deflectors and things on voyager would have no problem with those but of course the ship is very damaged Janeway has to go down to uh, deflector control and fix things. There's a big fire in there, and she gets burned pretty badly. Uh, the next scene is in the makeshift, makeshift sick bay, and the doctor's sort of taking care of her. She's mostly healed up uh, pretty pretty well, has a few scars from the burns, but not nearly as bad as she looks like at the scene at the end there, right before the commercial break where she's all burned up. Uh, but uh, this is a great scene, I think, between Janeway and the doctor and her... Um, current fitness as being captain of Voyager. So listen to this. You're spending the next few days here with me. What for? Observation. Is there something else wrong with me? Not physically. What are you suggesting? Traumatic stress syndrome. Symptoms. Irritability, sleeplessness, obsessional thoughts, reckless behavior, all of which you've demonstrated over the last few weeks. My only obsession is with saving my ship, my people. If I've been taking some reckless chances in order to do that, it's hardly a medical condition. I'm not going to stand here while you rationalize yet another brush with death. You don't have to. As chief medical officer, I have the authority to relieve you of your command. You're not going to do that. If, in my medical opinion, 
Your judgment has been impaired. I can, and I will. Try it, and I'll shut down your program. That threat in itself is evidence of your unstable condition. I am sorry, Doctor. I've been operating on instinct for so long, I did not think before I spoke. I have no intention of deactivating you. But I won't stay in this mess hall. Is that final? Final. Then you leave me no choice. Captain Catherine Janeway, under Starfleet Medical Regulation 121, Section A, I, the Chief Medical Officer, do hereby relieve you of your active command, effective immediately. Have a seat. How do you plan to implement this protocol, Doctor? Mr. Tuvok doesn't have a security team. Both the brakes have been destroyed, and with the internal force fields offline, you'll have a hell of a time keeping me confined. You better grab a phaser, because before I give up command, you'll have to shoot me. Yeah, we were just chatting a little in the Ustream chat room about that. Uh, great scene there. Really good stuff with uh, both between Janeway and the doctor about her fitness. You know, she's she's making logical sense. She's doing what she needs to do to survive. You know, very uh, Janeway always kind of reminded me a little bit of a female Kirk to a degree. She she had to she was out there on the frontier. She had to do some nasty things, make some alliances with bad guys, and and do whatever it took to get her crew home. And this is a good example of that. Uh, really well done. Uh, probably one of my favorite scenes from the whole set of uh, two-part episodes uh, from this uh, Year of Hell series here. Uh, she's got a lot of good stuff to do in these uh, two parts. and uh, Shows just what it takes to be a, a Starfleet captain. So great, uh, great work there by Kate Mulgrew. Uh, we've got the next uh, clip ready, and it is we. Who else is here? Why? I wish I would stop doing that. <laughs> Hey, there's someone. Where, who is that? <laughs> anyway, all the people on the chat and, the, and viewing the show are thinking I'm nuts. Well, you know what? You are right. I am. Uh, just let that secret out. Don't tell anyone else. Uh, <laughs> the next clip, this is about uh, uh, Anorexic's uh, dead wife. So listen to this. No matter how close you get to restoring the timeline, one component is always missing. Kiana Prime. Who was on that colony? Who did you lose? My wife. And with her, my future. My children, grandchildren. All erased because of me. This is all I have left of her. So many years, I worked through the night while she was sleeping. How could I have known I was calculating her fate? I can't stop until I've restored Kiana Prime and forced time to give me back my wife. Maybe it isn't possible. When I tell you, the time has moved. A disposition to be intuited. I'm not speaking metaphorically. What do you mean? Anger is one of its moods. Anger and the desire for retribution, vengeance. Time itself has tried to punish me for my arrogance. It has kept me from my wife, denied me my future. Yeah, that's the scene that, you know, Chakotay realizes this guy is, is lost, uh, lost to things in lost perspective, lost his, his marbles a little bit to a degree. We were just, again, talking in the chat room while the clip was playing about, you know, he's not really a, a, a true bad guy. He's not just doing evil for power or for glory or for 
for its own sake to control or rule the galaxy, you know, like the Empire in Star Wars or the the Borg to just take over the whole universe. You know, he's doing it for the love of his wife to kind of bring her back. Um, however, though, it you know, kind of brings out a point of what would you do uh, to bring, uh, you know, that situation, bring somebody back uh, if it meant you know, millions of other people were going to have to die in the process. You know, this reminds me, it's very much like City on the Edge of Forever. You know, remember Edith Keeler, Kirk uh, fell in love with her and had to let her die in order for Earth history to continue the way it was and for, you know, human beings to continue and not be basically, you know, slaves to the Nazis and so forth and other bad guys in the future because of changes in history. A very similar situation, you know, Anorex here, is not trying to, you know, he's not trying to just go out and, and kill people. He's trying to bring his wife back. But, of course, that uh, that does, by, um, you know, cause and effect, it does affect other beings, other planets out there. But he's still doing it, and they have to stop him. So uh, another clip here. This is back aboard a Voyager. Oh, I had to mention, I, I haven't really bring it up very much, but there's an incident that happens where uh, Tuvok is, is blinded due to an explosion back when uh, Seven of Nine was, uh, she was scanning that little temporal torpedo. There's an explosion then, and he's he's badly injured. And uh, throughout these two episodes, Seven of Nine sort of becomes his sort of, I don't want to say the word nursemaid, but she sort of helps him out, and, and I think she feels a little responsible for the situation because of what happened in, and she was trying to scan and she didn't leave right away, although it did kind of save them because of that. Uh, and it's kind of interesting, you know, Tuvok still, he's a Vulcan. He doesn't let his emotions show and he still tries to do his duty, even though he's a, a blinded tactical officer now. So I think that's uh, interesting stuff. Next clip. This is Janeway aboard Voyager again. So listen up. Curious. I have never understood the human compulsion to emotionally bond with inanimate objects. This vessel has done nothing. It is an assemblage of bulkheads, conduits, tritanium, nothing more. I are wrong. It's much more than that. This ship has been our home. It's kept us together. It's been part of our family. As illogical as this might sound, I feel as close to Voyager as I do to any other member of my crew. It's carried us, Tuvok. Even nurtured us. And right now, it needs one of us. I respect your decision. Live long and prosper, Captain. Another great scene there, Kate Mulgrew, Janeway, you know, her, her feelings towards her ship, towards Voyager, uh, real, real powerful, very good scene, and probably another one of my favorites from this set of episodes. It kind of reminds me of, uh, I'll, I'll just tell you a little brief story. We've, uh, Lynn, my wife, and I have owned only two homes. We are in our second home right now. Our first home, you know, was, you know, a starter, kind of a starter home, I guess you'd call it. But anyway, lived there for several years. Our two sons, Eric and Stephen, were were, um, well, not born in the home, born in a hospital, but, uh, you know, were very young and, you know, babies and all that time in that home. 
And I, I'll, I'll always remember, um, you know, we sold it. We wanted to move to a nicer, bigger home. And the the last day I went by and I was going to drop, I dropped off the key to uh, to that house to the people that had bought it. And they were a really nice uh, young family, uh, same situation, kind of starting out and that. And uh, But when I had to hand over that key to them, it was, I didn't realize it until I had to actually physically hand over the key how much, you know, moving out of that house meant to to me and all the memories there and how much, it, you know, it had kind of like Voyager takes care of the crew uh, of, of the ship, you know, that home kind of took care of us. So uh, just, a, you know, a little Rico story from the past, uh, trying to tie things together like I do or like I try at least. So hopefully you enjoyed that little a little aside, but it's, you know, I become fairly attached to things, my cars and homes and, you know, stuff like that. And it's not like, I don't know how to explain it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's natural. And I think it's in a way a good thing. Uh, these things become important to us. Not, of course, more important than than people or anything like that, but they have memories and and emotional attachments uh, that are associated with them. And and that uh, is is human, I guess. So there we go. Oh, I need a Kleenex. <laughs> anyway, let's see where are we at. A couple of clips left to go, I think. Uh, the the last, uh, of course, the the way this episode re- resolves itself, and it was kind of expected from the beginning. Anyone who knows Star Trek would sort of expect the way this turns out. And you know what happens is the Voyager is is Janeway sort of dying last act. There's this fleet she gathers and there's a, a battle going on uh, between the fleet uh, Voyager and some other allies and the, the big Krenum vessel and at the end Janeway the, her last act is to ram Voyager into the Krenum vessel the temporal vessel is destroyed so in essence everything has changed everything that vessel everything it had ever done throughout its its life basically doesn't exist that never happened and it sort of resets everything back to the way things were at the beginning of episode the first part uh that uh yeah i thought that would make sense uh, the interesting very interesting part is well i'll save that comment for uh the very last clip so anyway let's go to the uh destruction of voyager sir weapons are back to full capacity Target Voyager, put Janeway out of her misery. All our ships have been disabled, Captain. Do you have weapons? Negative. Torpedo launchers are down. I'm setting a collision course. Janeway to the fleet. Take your temporal shields offline. Captain, we won't be protected. Exactly. If that ship is destroyed, all of history might be restored. And this is one year I'd like to forget. Time's up. And of course, that does work. You know, they uh, they destroy the vessel and everything's sort of reset and Voyager's back on its way. Uh, the... The one thing I want to mention, there's a, there's this final clip I want to play here in a second. The one thing I wanted to say, though, is when it's even when it's reset, they still run into that first little Krenum scout ship thing. And they say, well, you know, you probably should stay out of this space in this area. And they decide, yeah, well, all right, this time we'll avoid it. But why would they do that? They, they didn't want to avoid it. 
they had just created this astrometrics lab it plotted this new course to save them some years getting home so why why would they alter course just you know like that i, I don't know that that part just didn't make sense to me it, you know not a big deal but anyway the last clip though is kind of a nice one this shows uh anorex back on his home or his i guess it's his home planet uh, with his wife. And the uh, interesting thing here is if he doesn't go off and, and do everything that he was going to do or with the, the ship, uh, things are back to sort of uh, all what he was wishing for all along. So anyway, here is the last clip of Year of Hell. Good morning. Good morning. Join me for breakfast? In a little while, I still have a few more calculations. There are always a few more calculations. It's a beautiful day. Spend it with me. I suppose I can make the time. So there you have Year of Hell, Parts 1 and 2, Season 4, Voyager. Great set episodes, a lot of interesting character things, along with a, a very good storyline, I think, and plot. Brandon Braga worked on this story. Uh, they had a couple different directors, for each one for each episode. Uh, uh, Joe, I think Joe Minoski did also some of the writing on this episode. Good stuff. Uh, and Voyager, you know... Voyager sometimes gets, uh, besides Enterprise, probably gets the rap as being a not a very good uh, Trek series, maybe not as good as TNG or even Deep Space Nine. And I, I don't agree with that at all. I think they have some really interesting characters, some good stories, and I don't think they were, by the time even Voyager got along, you know, were running out of ideas. I think they did some great stuff in it. It really, especially by the middle of the uh, run of Voyager, season three, four, which this takes place in, uh, it started to get sort of re-energized. Some of the early seasons maybe were a little rough, uh, but that happened too also on uh, TNG as well, maybe even more so, I think. Uh, so anyway, Voyager, good stuff, and always uh, great to look at a couple of those episodes. I'm going to take a very brief break for about a minute or so, uh, maybe play a little uh, music here or something, and I'll be back with uh, another contest for those watching the live video stream and are the ones that are in the chat room so stand by i'll be back in a minute it's been a long road <laughs> getting from there to here it's been a long time <laughs> but my time is finally here <laughs> and i will see my dreams come alive at last i will touch the sky <laughs> I don't even remember the best. No, hold me down. No, no. No, they're not going to change. Okay. Oh, man, the best part was coming up. Because I've got faith of the heart. No, take me. Okay. I can do anything. I've got strength. Oh, strength. <laughs> okay, I'll leave that. So you can... All right, I'm back. That's, of course, Angela and Jen, a couple of our friends from the forums, and their rendition of the Enterprise theme. I, I can't listen to that enough. So uh, 
is so funny, and I'm uh, they're probably really upset that they even ever sent that to me now because I'm going to play it a lot, let me just say. <laughs> All right, so everyone, i got to bring up the chat so I can watch your responses for our next uh, contest. Oh, you know what? Before we get to that, I do have a, a clip about Year of Hell. I, it's a good thing I remember this. I looked at my list here again. Sorry about that. Uh, we got uh, one uh, commentary here about the Year of Hell episodes from a big Voyager fan, Kenny from California. I'll play his clip first, then we'll do the contest. Here's Kenny's thoughts on Year of Hell. Hey Rico, it's Kenny from California, and I'm so excited that you're doing an episode of Voyager. As you know, it's one of my favorite series, and you picked one of the best two-part episodes of that series, The Year of Hell. I know people badmouth Voyager once in a while, and to be honest, I don't know why. It is one of my favorite uh, of the series. It's right up there with TNG. And um, uh, one thing I can say is that the Voyager two-part episodes are some of the best Trek sci-fi, you know, TV series around. Uh, they had really good two-part episodes where I think they can tell a complete story within two hours. Um, sometimes with Voyager, they kind of wrapped up things too quickly, but uh, that was the case, with, I think, with uh, TNG also. Uh, DS9 was the only one that actually had the luxury of letting stories run through multiple episodes, but uh, definitely Voyager's uh, two-part episodes were the best, and The Year of Hell, I think, is one of the best uh, two-part episodes of Voyager. One cool thing I liked about this uh, particular episode was that it was mentioned in a previous episode that had Kess in it from, I think it was season three, or possibly two. It's when Kess was reverting back through time. She was getting younger and younger, and she kept popping into timelines. She actually popped into the Year of Hell timeline, which I thought was really cool. She was the one that actually got the code of the torpedo that Seven of Nine got in this current version. So I thought that was a nice little tie-in to a previous episode. Another thing I loved about the Voyager series were their special effects. They always had a huge amount of special effects, and this two-part episode had its share of uh, very cool special effects. They actually introduced the astrometric lab in this uh, episode, so we got to see some really cool graphics there, which they do use that lab quite a bit uh, for here on out. And uh, a lot of the battles were really cool, the time shifts were cool, uh, watching Voyager's hull explode. Um, when that corridor went, which just was just unbelievable. It's one thing I've always enjoyed about Voyager are their special effects. Well, I guess I should be wrapping up. It's so hard to convey how much I enjoyed this episode in like three minutes. But uh, it's definitely one of my favorite Voyager episodes, and I'm so glad you're covering Voyager. Um, as I know many people don't like it, but uh, I think they should give it a chance and watch it again because it's a really good series and. Uh, it's a great addition to the Star Trek universe. Thanks, Rico. Kenny, great comments there. I was so glad that you brought up a few things that I didn't mention. Uh, yeah, the whole thing with Cass and her uh, when she was seeing the future to a degree and, and that. Uh, but one little hitch with that is like, well, if time was reset, did that ever really happen then? Uh, I guess it's it's one of those sort of alternate timeline, alternate futures, you know, parallel universes. I guess it's something that that sort of did happen, but then it then it split off again and it was fixed in a way, another fork in the road kind of. I guess you could look at it like that. I don't know. Sometimes these time type shows are you know get a little 
make you have a headache. <laughs> but anyway, thanks again for your comments about uh, Year of Hell. All right, I've got to go see uh, if uh, the chat's up. Everything looks good. Okay, we have another uh, got another contest. And you know what? I have a few ideas for what the prize is, but they're going to be a secret. You're going to get kind of a little grab bag of items for whoever wins this contest. So hopefully that's uh, good enough for you. I have maybe you know action figures, maybe a book, a Trek book, perhaps a couple other little goodies. So you'll get a, a nice little a surprise box, a gift box from me. Uh, if you answer the following questions, if you're the first, this is something related to the the captains, the main the main captains again. I mean the main cast of captains from the Star Trek series. Another question related to them. What I want, and I gotta again make sure I'm watching the uh, the chat here. Hopefully this question will be maybe a little easier than the last one. You need to name for me. The favorite uh, beverages, favorite drinks of three captains from the three or that from the main Star Trek series. Go. Drinks, their favorite beverages. Three I need. I only see one. Uh, Just X, you're close. I'm not going to call. Uh, I'm looking for uh, a different one than coffee and Ractagino are pretty much the same thing. I don't see anyone with the answer that I'm I'm good with yet. I'm gonna call, like I said, coffee and Ractagino the same. So that I'm looking for a third one. I'll give you guys a little bit of a hint. I'm looking for what uh, what does Kirk like to drink? Uh, duck. <laughs> Dark Molar Man, nice comment there. His own blood. Oh, let me think about. Uh, there's there's a couple things you see Kirk drink in uh, the movies. Yeah, there you go. Someone's getting close. I want um, Just X. You've said them all, so you win. You win. I guess. Did you win the last one? Oh, uh, maybe, maybe you'll you'll decline to to someone else who was close. But Just X got the the answers out there. So uh, what I was looking for is. For for Kirk, uh, he liked uh, Romulan ale. He also liked Storian brandy. Uh, Picard, Jean-Luc Picard, of course, was Earl Grey tea. And the rest of them were pretty much like coffee or Ractagino, depending on, you know, which which they ordered at the uh, replicator. So, um, so those were the answers I was looking for. And Just X, it's up to you again. <laughs> so that's it for contests. Uh we are going to do a quick look now at a collectible. This is something a little bit different. I um, got this about a week or two ago, and I thought for the podcast, since it's a live web stream, this would be kind of good to cover a collectible. This isn't a Star Trek item at all. This is a it's a statue. It's a statue of uh, Herman Munster from the Munsters. So let me uh, bring it over here for everyone on the webcam to see. This is made by a company called Electric uh, Tiki, and they do these things called tuned-up statues. And I'm trying to show it to the webcam there, um, but it's it's a really well-done piece. It's a, sort of an animated style of him. It's put out by Electric Tiki, like I said. Sideshow Toys distributes these. They only made, I believe... Uh, 14, oh yeah, oh no, 1313, one, three. yeah, they made the same number as the Munster's uh, house address. They lived at 1313 Mockingbird Lane, 
and this is number 105 so this is Herman Munster it's about I think about 10 inches tall uh, he's uh, comes on a nice little base uh, this one there's two different versions they did of these they did a very small run of black and white ones and this is a color painted one so he has sort of a dark brown suit and sort of pale green zombie like skin but I was always a big fan of both the Munsters and the Adams family growing up and they've put out four of these now they did one for Herman for Lily for grandpa and they did the latest one they did was with Marilyn and Eddie Munster as a as a combined set. Uh, you can still find them a little bit uh, if you go over to Sideshow Toys or you look on eBay. They're still floating around. I think it's a really cool item. You know, I don't just uh, collect uh, Star Trek and Star Wars items. I like to vary things up a little bit. Uh, I, of course, like a lot of other TV shows and movies, and this looked like a fun item to have. So there you go. That's the... Uh, Electric Tiki Herman Munster statue. Get yours now while they're still around. Uh, these have been pretty popular. They've been selling pretty well and usually go for a little bit more um, of a premium once they're out of uh, out of stock at Sideshow on eBay. Actually, I'm trying to find a, a, a Lily one right now. The Herman one is the only one I have so far. I believe you can still get the Grandpa one and the Marilyn and Eddie one over on Sideshow's site. But the Lily one was was a very difficult one to find. I didn't catch it when it was first on sale, so I'm still kind of scouring out there. I think there's one on eBay actually right now that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. So, ah, uh, the the trials and tribulations of a collector. So, so that's it. That's our collectible uh, look at uh, for this week. I wanted to mention a few things about that. I, I have the if you go to the main TrexinSciFi.com webpage, all the links you can find there to go to all the different various areas, the forums the uh, collection gallery, which is still constantly being updated, trying to get all my pictures up of all the different goodies and things. I've also started, like I mentioned, I think in last week's podcast, uh, there's a new, uh, if you go to the images and gallery area, images and video area, there's a thing called a Star Trek Daily Pick, which I'm putting up in a WordPress blog, a new picture from uh, various areas of Star Trek each day I put a new picture up. That can be found uh, from the main page as well. Also, if you have some unusual Star Trek picture, you want to email it. I set up a new email for that, trekdailypick at gmail.com. I already used one person. Kenny sent me one of his Star Trek tour pictures, and I put that up a couple of days ago on the Daily Pick uh, blog. So that's there too. And, and definitely check out the forums if you enjoy the podcast. We're going to be starting up Season 6 of the RPG in uh very soon and in about a week and we are also starting reading another book in the book club we're going to be reading actually i'll show it to the people on the let's see it's sitting here on my messy desk uh we've got star trek enterprise book this is also by um andy mangles and michael a martin who i talked to a couple of weeks back this is the good that men do this book is basically a uh well, I haven't read it yet, but uh, let me read the back cover. What does this say? Pax Galactica. Enemies become allies. Old secrets are at last revealed. Long-held beliefs and widely accepted truths are challenged. Man turns to leisurely, leisurely pursuits. In this golden age, two old friends are drawn together. They seek to understand and wonder how that they have long believed what they have been taught was never so. Uh, it's sort of a retelling of the last episode of Enterprise to a degree. Uh, the 
this is basically for people who love trip and what happened in the last episode of enterprise uh, this is the book for you so we're starting to read that uh this coming week uh right now in the book club over on the forum so you should go over there and check that out if you like to read books we talk about of course trek movies sci-fi star wars throw up youtube videos have a good time and i think you'll enjoy it so that is it about for this week. I, I didn't want to run too long. I think we ran through everything. Did I get through all the clips I wanted to play? I think for this week I did. So um, with that, I'm going to end. I will probably keep the webcam and the chat going for a little bit longer. If anyone wants to just talk a little or ask me anything or whatever, just uh, hang in on Ustream. I want to thank everyone for joining me today. I hope you had a good time watching a little bit about uh, how Trex and Sci-Fi works each week for me. And uh until next time, into next week's podcast, which will be 164, I will talk to everyone again then, and I enjoy the week. Bye, folks. This has been a Rick Dusty podcast production. 